Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Concerning Him podcast. Today we are joined by Emmaus Professor Stephen Elliott. Welcome. Thank you. You've been on before. Yeah, once. You okay. and you and Mr. Manning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was a blast. Um, what's your what is your official title here? So I am the program chair of computer studies, which includes computer science, computer information systems, and cybersecurity. Okay, cybersecurity. So, that's new. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you want to hear more about Stephen and his background and his time as a student at Emmaus and his time uh, working for the government <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what ultimately led him back to Emmaus, go check out that, uh, that episode. I, I, I believe we, uh, why, I'm not sure what title that podcast. I, I, I have no idea. I should have looked it up. <laughs> Either way, you look through our podcast, you'll find one with uh, Stephen yeah. Elliott and Art Manning. And, and My mom watched it and said it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> highest, highest praise. Highest ratings, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I understand Concerning Him is not the first Emmaus podcast. It's true. Yeah. I don't know, though, if we want to call the Computer Studies podcasts uh, an official Emmaus podcast. We tried. <laughs> Oh, it, how, it, how many episodes did you do? Uh, we actually did, I think, three seasons. Okay. With probably 10 to 15 episodes per season. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, when the views started being three views per video, <laughs> I realized it wasn't, it, yeah, and I was one of them. <laughs> it wasn't worth eight hours of my time a week to produce a video that only three people were going to watch. Yeah. I did watch an impressive one, though, where you interviewed yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. On today. video. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, again, that one has 100 views, but 78 of those are me watching myself and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, impressive nonetheless. It was uh, fun. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting, and maybe you guys will get that started up again sometime. Maybe someday. Yeah. yeah. Well, today we're going to have you on because I wanted to talk to you about technology and the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is something people are fascinated by. I mean, do you think about there, there's all sorts of conversations about uh, technology's role within the church? You know, people talking about should preachers use PowerPoints, mm -hmm. right? Should we be having our music up on the screen or out of a hymnal? Um, black to book only. Black, black <laughs> hymnal only. There you go. Um, you must have been talking to Joe Abdi recently. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, there's even aspects of, of music and instrumentation, microphones, mm -hmm. soundboards, and then you would get into COVID and there's Zoom and yeah. church over Zoom or people watching or live streaming. There's, there's the way in which technology is interacting with the church mm -hmm. um, is, is at an all-time high. Yeah. And as a result, there's lots of opinions yeah. <laughs> about yeah. what's right and what's wrong and how should we use technology um, so maybe we'll just start off today by asking what, in your opinion or in your thoughts, what is the role of technology in the church? Yeah, I'm glad you phrased it that way, because this is definitely my opinion, not necessarily <laughs> the, the hard and fast rule as to the way that technology should be used in the church. But really, I think that the principle boils down to 
church should use technology only as much as it enhances the ministry or the service of the church. Um, So like speaking from a PowerPoint, for example, if the PowerPoint is going to be distracting from the message or if we're throwing up animations and fun videos or using it to entertain the audience as opposed to communicating the message more clearly, that's a misuse of technology. Uh, similarly, you, you brought up uh, remote access for COVID. You, you're yeah. doing all of these, uh, join Breaking a Bread remotely or watch the sermon on YouTube and stuff like that. That's a great way to reach people that otherwise might not be able to make it physically to the building, even in a post-COVID world, if we can call it that. Um, but when it becomes a replacement for church, that's when it's become a problem. Mm. And that's not necessarily so much an issue that the, the church is using Zoom to replace church, but maybe uh, members or participants or people that would be coming to church are saying, oh, I can catch it online. Why do I need to leave my home? That can be a very negative use of technology from the participant side, not necessarily from the church side. No. Those in leadership at, at different churches, mm-hmm. as what would your advice be as maybe talking more big picture? Yeah. How much time and effort within our local church, do we give technology? Do yeah. we, or, or money? I mean, money might even be a big, do we money get the nicer, yeah. the nicer yeah. camera? Do we get the nicer soundboard? Um, you know, if we're, we're reconstructing our church, do, are we running lines to, to be plugging in XLR cables and things like that? Is that worth the effort? How, how big picture, how much time and energy and money and investment should be put into technology. See, and that's a nearly impossible question to answer just because of the the breadth of sizes of churches. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, okay, you've got a you've got a little brethren assembly or whatever denomination yeah. it is that has fifty people. Well, they're not going to be spending a thousand dollars a month on whatever technology package they have, whether that's you know the website that they're hosting, uh, streaming media, storing sermons, you know, all of that. That's not going to be thousands a month where you might have another church that's thousands of people and they do broadcast their messages around the world mm-hmm. and they do have um, maybe even broadcasting in-house to overflow rooms and stuff like that. And they have to have somebody on staff to coordinate all of that. That's going to be a significantly larger expense than your 50-person small church mm-hmm. with just little stuff. So it's hard to say, here's a percentage of your budget or here's a number. But the bigger thing, I think, just to consider is what are the needs of the church? Yeah. And I think that's something that church leadership can really jive with. They, they look at, okay, what does is, what is our body need? Do we need to have a better camera for production value to meet you know, the needs of, of the people that are joining remotely? Um, maybe they don't. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we need a better soundboard so that our music is not distracting when we're trying to worship? You know, if we've got issues with the sound system, maybe people are being distracted from worship. Do we need to put some dollars into our AV system so that people can worship more effectively and efficiently without that distraction of a bad sound system? So those, I think, are more the decision-making pieces mm-hmm. than here's a general set of principles. Again, the ministry of the church is really the focus. Mm-hmm. How does the church communicate the word of God and ultimately encourage people in worship and fellowship. So as you're talking about those needs, what are maybe some needs that you are, are seeing that a lot of churches are needing to be addressing that maybe people might be not realizing, Oh, we should be addressing this, or we haven't even thought about that. Or maybe they, they're, they're thinking they might need to address it, but have no clue how, what are some of these things that 
currently, modernly, are, are need need addressing. Yeah, and I think in in general, churches are fairly aware of the technology that they need. Just we're in a technology literate era. Mm. Yeah, and, and whether it's you know the, the elders or the younger folk in the church that are starting to say, oh, we need to do all of these things, we're in an era of technology literacy. Mm. But in general, I kind of break church technology into two areas, kind of the AV projection, uh, the Sunday morning production side of things, and then the business side. Mm. Um, And again, depending on the size of the church and whether there are staff that are employed there that have offices, um, that business aspect looks very different. The AV side, obviously you're going to need something for amplification of sound, something for uh, projecting, whether it's PowerPoint or media shout or, um, pro presenter, whatever it is, getting words up on the screen during music, presenting sermons. Um, those sorts of things are all in the AV corner. And I feel like that's a well-developed area. Churches have been doing that for a long time now. There's a lot of good resources. That's a good area. The business side is where there's probably more variation and maybe less technical know-how. Because it really is, when you start to think of church offices as a small business environment, that's where things start to cross the line from just what I can do in my house and what you need somebody in business to really set up. Um, so things like wireless, right? mm-hmm. a lot of churches offer Wi-Fi, and in part that's so that people's Bible apps work because there's not <laughs> cell coverage everywhere, right? You know, so in the one sense, you want your Wi-Fi coverage to be open so that not everybody has to put in a password, but at the same time, you don't want critical church systems, the the pastor's computer or something like that to be on an unsecured network. So Mm. there's a security aspect to that. Um, If there are staff members that are existing on site, um, whether that's a pastor that's paid that has an office there, uh, elders that have a meeting room or a space to work on church administrative stuff, uh, whatever it ends up being, there may need to be computers there. Well, how do we protect those assets, those physical computers? How do we make sure that those computers are used for church-related business and not something nefarious? more security thoughts there. Then broadening out to marketing the church or spreading the word is the web presence. Mm. Uh, Do we have a church website? Who maintains that website? What content do we put on that website? And that's that's a can of worms right now. There's a lot of people that, or a lot of churches that are becoming afraid to post sermon content online because there are tools that are downloading this, transcribing it, and looking for key terms. And people, churches, churches and pastors are getting in trouble because of the messages that they've given because they don't connect or follow some political, politically correct line of thinking. Uh, so that's another area where a lot of churches have websites. What do we put on that? Um, notifying, mailing lists, email, being able to say, hey, everybody, Wednesday night service is canceled because of weather. How do churches do that? Do they put it on their website? Do they send out a group email? Is that a text? So those are all part of the the online presence mm. that's part of that business side of the the technology that deals with churches. So, you know, it, there's there's a thought that's come to my mind mm. a few times, and I, I think it's not just me. I think a lot of people have thought this, and I've had conversations with people about this, and that you see during during a um, a meeting right of the mm. church. And you look in the back and there's somebody, there's somebody running the soundboard yeah. or they're running the camera yep. and you think, is that an appropriate use of that person's time? Should that person mm-hmm. be sitting in the pews or the seats with the rest of us mm-hmm. worshiping or listening? <clears throat> Are they distracted by being back there? 
is that you know is this something you you know yeah like how do we how do we balance that or understand that if yeah. that makes sense so i think what you're kind of getting at is okay the, the service of the church it's the sitting it's the mary and martha sitting at jesus's feet <laughs> yeah. or preparing the meal yeah exactly uh, and the better thing is to be sitting at jesus's feet listening so is is the person who's serving in sound missing something? Yeah, Should yeah, they absolutely, be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think my response, I haven't thought about that too much because no, that, that's not. <laughs> but I know you've been back there. We go to church together. Yeah. I've seen yeah. you back there, right? Oh. And so I, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, or even, okay, nursery workers. You know, Are the nursery workers who are taking care of the, the kids, Yeah. are they missing out on something because they're offering that service? And I think that my response to that would be, there is an act of service of self-sacrifice mm. in that. Now, the sound booth may be less of a self-sacrifice than working in the nursery <laughs> uh, because you can still hear the message. You can still be engaged with what's going on inside that sanctuary, even though you may have other roles, responsibilities of making sure that the slides get changed at the right time. Uh, but it is an act of service. And so I, I wouldn't you know, disparage that in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. Um, many different roles that take place during the service. Ideally, it would be alternated so mm-hmm. that not, you know, somebody's not missing all of that every week. But yeah, I, I think I'd just boil it down to an act of service. Yeah, that makes know. sense. Well, as we we're thinking about these needs of mm-hmm. the church and <clears throat> you were lining up, you know, the, the, the AV side and the business side, mm-hmm. um, the business side seeming maybe a little more complicated, a little more technical. Yeah. Um, I think it, maybe an important question to ask is what are things that your average person mm-hmm. with no training can go back and hit the next arrow key to go to the next <laughs> slide at the right time. And even somehow I'd probably mess that up, but like, you know, most people could just sit there and say, Hey, hit this. Would, would you, we finish that line. Okay. Hit the next arrow key. There we go. It sounds um, super simple. And yet we all know it's, it still gets yeah. messed up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of the pet peeves of everybody that works in AV. Whenever anything goes wrong, everybody turns around. Yeah. <laughs> everybody does the same thing. And it's like, I know that I did something wrong. You don't have to turn around and look at me to let me know that Nathan's I Nathan's behind the camera smiling. I'm sure he's been there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, how do, how do we think about that? Because I th- also think there are aspects in which some of the stuff you described mm-hmm. seemed more complicated. Where you're like, is that even the job for somebody in the church? Or if we're setting mm-hmm. up our Wi-Fi, do we just hire somebody locally right. to come in? And, and so, how should ch- local churches be thinking about and balancing? Hey, can just average Joe come in and hit the next arrow key or do we need some training? How, how yeah. do they view that? Yeah. So in general, I think the use of technology is, is a, a non-technical skill, right? Okay. As you said, kind of pushing the buttons, yeah. even moving <laughs> the sliders on the soundboard and whatnot. Uh, usually you can train someone fairly easily in-house. You know, this makes it louder. This makes it quieter. Yeah. Find the right balance. <laughs> Uh, this this button goes forward in the PowerPoint. This one goes backwards. <laughs> those are fairly easy things to pick up. And a lot of people have those skills just from what they've experienced in life. Mm. Yeah, running a PowerPoint, almost every grade school kid does some sort of PowerPoint. Yep. That's not a difficult thing. Uh, but as you mentioned, kind of the setting up of technology, that's where we start to cross into the area where most people don't have the skills for that. Now, that's not saying that somebody can't learn those skills. Um, and if you have somebody in your congregation that is tech savvy already, those skills may exist. Uh, and if they're willing to serve in that capacity, it may not need to be you know, outsourced. Mm-hmm. But when you start thinking about larger scale or 
applications of, of the business side of things. That's where I start to think either finding somebody in the congregation that has those technical tr- skills, that technical training, or starting to work with somebody outside the church mm. to install that. Uh, we've got a new building project that we're starting to think through. Do we have the electrician run the wiring for the networking and for the Wi-Fi, or do we use somebody inside the congregation? Now, because they have me, I might do that for mm-hmm. them because I have those skills. Uh, but for your average assembly or your average church, they may not have those technical skills in the congregation. That's where you want to start thinking, okay, we need Wi-Fi. Let's find somebody in the community that understands how to set up a network correctly, mm-hmm. and let's do that. Uh, rather than Googling it, finding a wireless access point, <laughs> throwing it in a corner and saying, I'm, I'm sure it's good. We have wireless now. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I'm thinking about, um, you know, there's there seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to be a benefit of having more people in-house, right, mm-hmm. do that type of work than just hiring somebody. I mean, partially there's a financial aspect where yeah. typically people in the lo- local part of the local congregation are going to be willing. This is my church. These are my people. I'm happy just to come and give you my time. The right. church will probably spend the money in the parts, but I'm just going to do it because it's a skill I have versus paying somebody, you know, for certain services, it could be a significantly higher price. And oh, so yeah. Yeah. thinking through that, I mean, it seems right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So th- there's an advantage of leveraging your congregation. Yeah. So serving the body is definitely the reason the body exists. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there are pitfalls. Mm. Okay? So somebody says that they have the skills, but they don't follow through on the work, or they, you know, their work is not as good as a professional's work. Uh, and I'm thinking, as an example, web development. Okay. Right? okay? Uh, you can have a high school student that says, I know web design because I took a class in high school on web design, <laughs> and they, they know HTML, CSS. They can put text on a page, mm-hmm. and they can change the color. Okay? <laughs> They know how to build a website. It's true, but it's not necessarily going to be the website that the church needs in order to represent their church on the web. Um, so that's one of the pitfalls of just leveraging in-house uh, skill. If the skill is not really the skill that's needed, that can be dangerous. Again, that's going to change context to context, though. So, so I want to, within this, the context of everything we're talking about, I want to talk about your program. Yeah. Right. And, you know, obviously there's there's a million different opportunities for people that go through your program. I've told many people if I could redo my Emmaus experience, I would have (laughs) majored in some sort of computer studies. It's not too late. You know, (laughs) continuing education certificate. Uh, When I'm done with my master's, I'll let you know. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's there's a wide range of of jobs, some specifically in some sort of tech role. Yep. Um, but there's some people that are thinking, hey, I want to be skilled in this, but I want to go be a missionary, mm-hmm. right? Or I want to go uh, serve my local church. And there's some people that are just going to get, I'll call it just an average job. They're not going to go be a missionary. They're not going to go do anything all that fancy or special. They're going to choose a vocation. A vocation, yeah. Ministry. yeah. And yet they, um, they're going to be within their local church and I guess I want to ask, like, what is the importance of having those skills and how does how does the type of people that we that your program is producing change or help help advance 
their own local church, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a great question because the mission of Emmaus Bible College is essentially to train students, equip them to be effective not only in their vocations, but mm-hmm. in ministry as well. And this is a question that I ask all my students. It's syllabus day, you know, day one, we <laughs> read that mission statement and I ask them, how is this class going to help you achieve that mission? And because it's computer studies, I mean, almost all of the classes we take are going to help them somehow vocationally. Mm -hmm. But I want them to think, how is this going to help in ministry? So teaching a class this semester, intro to networking and security. First networking and security class that the students have. uh, How are you going to use this? Well, if I end up in a job where I have to do networking and security, I'll have to use it. That's the answer the students give me. Uh, But what about from a ministry standpoint? How can you use networking skills in your church? How can you use security skills in your church and getting them to think through that? Well, networking, we talked about Wi-Fi already, mm-hmm. okay? Well, what if there's a work group printer in the church mm-hmm. or a set of computers that need to get out to the internet, but they don't have wireless cards because they were built in 2012? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, those networking skills are going to be useful in that endeavor. Security side, thinking about keeping the wireless network secure, keeping... Um, the network as a whole, the physical networking equipment secure, or maybe even the website, things beyond that, that's the skill that we're going to teach in the class that they can then bring to the church and say, hey, we should have some sort of Wi-Fi password on our wireless access point. We shouldn't just be leaving that open, and here's XYZ reasons why. And they have the technical skills to change the Wi-Fi password. Now I realize that's not a, in 2023, changing the Wi-Fi password is not a technical thing, but you get the illustration. Beyond church, let's think missionaries, okay? Missionaries abroad, are they going to use technology? Well, absolutely they're going to use technology, okay? Whether that's to communicate back here uh, to either their commending assembly or to the people that support them financially, they're going to use technology. They're going to use technology for resources on the mission field, Uh, We live in a world where you take your smartphone with you around the world and it still works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's an amazing thing. Uh, But the skills that they're going to learn, even in that foundational class of networking and security, now can be extended to the mission field. And that whether that's us supporting missions remotely or as one of my students wants to be on the mission field, taking those practical skills, going to the mission field themselves and using those skills in their mission context to support either the church there, their own organization, whatever it is, to support their mission abroad. Well, so I guess a a question to kind of ask, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this, but I I think in the world of of YouTube and Google and and articles and blog posts and all these things, and you want to learn how to build a computer and you can go find, you know, hundreds of great YouTube videos to, hey, here's step-by-step, here's your pieces, you plug this to the motherboard, put this there, there you go, you build your own computer. Who needs a college education where you can learn it all online? That's my question. What's what's then the benefit of going to Emmaus for four years, um, getting that training as opposed to, hey, when a problem arises, I'm just going to Google it Mm -hmm. and figure it out. It's worked for me before, and that's just what I'm going to keep doing. Yeah, so one of the responses that I can give is the time, okay? Uh, let's say that your car breaks down. Mm. You can Google all of the sounds that it's making and eventually (laughs) figure out what's wrong. And if it's that your crankshaft has been torqued and you have to put in a new crankshaft, you can find all of the videos that you need of lifting that engine out of that car, tearing down the block, separating it, and finding a new crankshaft. 
but do you really want to be the one replacing the crankshaft on your vehicle? (laughs) (laughs) And that's a silly analogy, but you get the idea. Uh, Yes, there is information out there. You can learn how to do a lot of stuff, but it's not going to be nearly as efficient as someone who's trained to do it, asking somebody who already has those skills to do it. Uh, Self-taught versus taught at the university level or at the college level. Uh, uh, and I have prospective students that come in and say, yeah, I've learned two or three programming languages by mm-hmm. watching YouTube videos, by uh, using online resources. Why do I need to study programming here? Uh, and I'll usually ask them questions about, okay, what can you do with that language? Or how well do you know that language? And oftentimes they've gone through some tutorial that has taught them how to make one product with a particular language. They can make one program. Mm-hmm but they don't necessarily know how to apply that to a broader set of problems. Or they know how to code, but they don't know the process of breaking down, here's a problem that I'm facing, and I need to break it down into pieces so that I can then actually apply this programming language to it. It's those little pieces, little aspects of understanding the broader topic that you don't get when you're just Googling to solve a problem that I have right now. That's what the college education gives you. Not only is it structure, so we teach you the process as well as the languages, but you're also getting face-to-face instruction, hands-on interaction, and when something goes wrong, you can ask, why is this thing going wrong? Mm -hmm. And we can answer, the instructors, the teachers can point out, okay, this is why this is happening. Uh, thinking of resources on the internet, Stack Overflow is one of these websites where you ask a programming question and experts respond. Mm -hmm. They will give you an answer. Whether or not you understand that answer is another matter. (laughs) So copy and pasting, oh, I had a problem. This solves my problem. I can put it in there. That works. But is it going to create more problems for you later if you don't understand it? So that's uh, maybe my weak pitch of, (laughs) (laughs) yes, you can learn things yourself. (laughs) but you're gonna learn them in a different way that's more meaningful if you go through a uh, educational program, not Mm -hmm. even if any educational program, not just Emmaus, but having the resources like myself available when you run into a problem to be able to ask, why am I having this problem? Mm -hmm. That's huge. You don't get that. If you're going through a YouTube video series and you run into a problem of, I can't get my computer to do what his computer is doing in the video, where do you go? Maybe you can put a comment in the YouTube video, maybe they'll respond, but to have access to an instructor that can say, here is why this is going wrong. That's the programming side. The networking and security side, again, there's a lot of information about networking and security out there right now. The problem with security information in particular is it's all broad or super specific. Mm. Uh, Phishing emails, that's super broad. Then there's this phishing email that was sent to Google and Google fell for it. That's super specific. Um, all of the information that's out there, a lot of the information that's out there is in one of those two categories. How do we structure and frame all that information into something we can actually use and apply to whatever context we're in? Again, that's where the educational component is gonna come into play. We can teach you how to look at that information mm-hmm and work that information into your specific context as opposed to just, oh yeah, phishing is bad. We, sh- we <laughs> should do something about phishing. Well, phishing with a PH. For our- <laughs> yeah. It, it also occurs to me that at a place like Emmaus, that's smaller, where, where everybody shares mm-hmm. their faith in common, shares similar values, um, a lot of close friendships are, are built, that 
the students that come out of the program here are developing like a network of, of friends, mm -hmm. yeah. that, that type of a network. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and even of the professors where they graduate and they move on and they're running into a problem that they can't figure out how to solve. And now they have this group of people mm -hmm. that they can reach out to or possibly a professor. I know after I graduated, this is more of a Bible and theology thing, but I, I reached out a few different times to Raja Kunjabin saying, mm -hmm. hey, I'm running into this issue with this person. I'm not understanding, you know, could you help? And he sent me back a very long email and I was very thankful for that yeah. to my former professor. And, and I think similarly, right, you're building a network of, of people where there's friendships and, and hey, my my church is having this issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what to do. Has anybody else run into this? And and people kind of helping and bouncing things off of each other. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know how many of the current students or recent alumni leverage that. Uh, when I graduated, I had a friend who is still here. He was a year uh, graduated a year after me. Uh, he called me every week for three years. Wow! Just uh, hey, my boss just asked me to do this thing. How do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, start by opening Google and typing in exactly what you just told me. No, just, <laughs> no, but he knew that I was a resource. We had, you know, talked throughout college. We had worked on projects together. And when he came up against something, he didn't even know where to start. He mm -hmm. knew that if he at least asked me, I would give him some direction or be able to say, I, I don't know either. Uh, that's the kind of networking that I think you're talking about. And yep. definitely I use that. Uh, most of my recent graduates... They, they tend to reach out to me for job opportunities more than <laughs> okay. information. Uh, usually the emails that I get from them are, hey, you know that thing that I hated doing that you said was really important? It turns out it's really important. <laughs> <laughs> Documentation, who knew? Oh, uh, do you post but, screenshots of those for your current students to say, I know you hate I this? should but. do that. <laughs> no, I tell them that that's what happens, but... You know, the picture yeah. would be the evidence. I should start. Yeah. Somebody just sent me an email. <laughs> I, oh. Maybe kind of one final question here is that as we're thinking about getting back to kind of our main focus, which was the role of, of technology in the church and, mm -hmm. and thinking about um, training in technology and how that's helpful. What then is would be the benefit thinking about for the local church of having those that have technology training, mm -hmm. getting a Bible training at the same time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you are, at least in my mind, it's hard to think like, okay, how do those two things really go together? Like they're just kind of two separate things that you're studying at Emmaus. Mm -hmm. And, and I suppose you're, you're in the classroom every day. So how do those things go together? And then mm -hmm. what's the benefit for the person leaving Emmaus with their four-year degree, having studied technology, having studied the Bible and going back to the local church and saying, Hey, I'm here to help. Yeah. So usually I think about that question more from the vocational standpoint. Mm -hmm. Usually I'm thinking about it of, okay, why, if I'm going to be a computer programmer or I'm going to be in networking and security, why do I care to get a Bible degree as well? And usually my first response <clears throat> is, well, you're, you're studying the Word of God. Why wouldn't you yeah. want that? <laughs> uh, but even from a marketability as a job candidate, okay, if you're looking for a position in cybersecurity, the biggest issue in hiring somebody to hand over the security aspects of your business is, are they going to take advantage of me? Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Are they actually going to be responsible with the information that I am trusting them to protect? That's a difficult question. Yeah, When you've got a Bible degree behind that, even in secular circles, there's an aspect of ethics 
that is communicated. This person has a high moral standard, whatever that means for that hiring manager. Mm -hmm. They have a high moral standard, and that's evidenced by this Bible degree. That makes you look a little bit better as a cybersecurity candidate than just any cybersecurity candidate that's out there. Um, so that's the vocational side. But you asked more about the ministry side, yeah. which is not usually the way that I <laughs> come at that one. Uh, and I, I would argue that the benefit of studying specifically at Emmaus, getting the Bible and the technology, is just uh, multiplying your use or your value to the assembly or to the church. And uh, not only can I do the networking side, the security side, well, that's going to be every once in a while. Mm -hmm. It's not every Sunday that you're going to need those technical skills. Maybe if you're running into a lot of AV problems, maybe. <laughs> but to be able to say, oh, and I can also lead a small group. I can also be involved in youth group. I can mm -hmm. also uh, mentor or disciple younger kids or uh, work with men's group, whatever it is, to have the Bible training to be able to invest in a church not only your technical skills, but also your ministry skills. I think that's the real value. Uh, we're not necessarily worried about the ethical side of mm -hmm. you know applying technology within the church, though maybe. Um, but if somebody has the technical skills and they're going to church, I would hope that the ethics <laughs> would be there too. So, but yeah, being more valuable to the assembly. Um, but yeah, I I argue that the Bible teaching at Emmaus is personally beneficial. Mm. That's it is valuable to you. And it's going to produce fruit outside of you beyond Emmaus. That's that's the value. So, well, so. thank you yeah. for coming on today. Thank you for you know, taking the time out and, and having this conversation. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on. I hope so. I hope so. This is fun. <laughs> thank so. you. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner. <laughs>